welcome to episode one, Gothic Origins of the first season of the History of the Barbarians podcast. My name is Josh Hirschman, and we are kicking off our series with a group that plays into ancient history quite prevalently, including Roman, European, Asian, Christian, and Islamic histories. This first group with a large footprint in history are the Goths. And the goal is, as the title suggests, to determine where these barbarian people came from. So to start with, we must again address the term barbarian. The term itself, when used as an adjective, means to be uncultured, brutish, and or uncivilized. The ancient Greeks were the first to use the term barbari for any person that did not speak Greek or came from outside of the Greek-speaking areas. The Romans would apply the term barbarous essentially the same way as the Greeks. The term would be used the same throughout its usage. But the problem is many of the people referred to as barbarians are not some homogeneous cultural grouping, such as our first group. Many had different languages, cultures, leadership structures, and religions represented within. The diversity of the groups and their ability to work together was quite impressive and actually showed a high level of nuance and sophistication. Many of these groups were fighting for survival in their histories and overcame seemingly insurmountable odds. Again, the notion of what the Romans called barbarians is nothing like what they or much of history has thought of as true barbarians. All the groups that we look at in this show could be characterized as heterogeneous agglomerations of people and cultures that found some common cause over with some sort of logic. We will visit this theme over and over and over again throughout our series. We will mention this diversity many times, but for simplicity's sake, we will still refer to the groups as a single named entity. Our first group, the Goths, are a great example of this misnomer for the term barbarians. The Goths included Gepids, Sarmatians, and Alans, and many groups of people as they moved throughout the migration period. Indeed, Roman soldiers would famously defect to the Goths at various points in this history. The Huns are another great example of absorbing whole cultures through their movement, including the Ostrogoths, who would later spin off and conquer Italy, who will find this, we will find this to be true for all the barbarian groups we will study. So this brings us back to why these barbarians are so important to look into their stories at a deeper level. What struck me is how much that this history matters in the establishment of the European world order that would eventually go on to dominate much of the globe for years. Including this idea of Europe dominating the globe is that it would eventually spread its culture, languages, military influence, and other ideas around the world. Setting aside for the moment that the idea that this European hegemony is not always a good thing, but it is important to history. So if the Roman decline and fall had such a large impact on the world for years to come, then what led to their fall the barbarians, in a large part, is important to study. And several factors led to that decline. But one of the main factors was indeed the barbarian hordes and their interaction with Rome at the end of the empire's dominance over the western half of its territories. So let us get into one of those groups of that early period and the events that would eventually lead to the fall of Rome. So our first season, which is covering the Goths, will be famous for their 4th and 5th century interactions with Rome, 
But of course, they have a long history before they met any Roman. One of the problems, though, is that we don't know a whole heck of a lot about the early Goths because they didn't write stuff down, which is going to be a major problem throughout history for any culture or group that didn't write things down. But we do have a couple of traditions that we can follow and a little bit of research here and there that we can go from. And, but it still makes the simple question of where the Goths are from insanely difficult to answer. Much of their history, prior to any contact with Rome, comes to us via oral tradition. The literature about them comes from people like Jordanus, who is probably a Goth himself, and was writing about events several hundred years after they happened. Therefore, Jordanus was probably biased to create a good story, and definitely not at the events he was writing about. Furthermore, there is a debate among historians as to what archaeological evidence means when analyzed. Some say that evidence confirms people like Jordanus or Pliny the Elder, the Roman writer, but others say that the evidence is inconclusive. But there are several stories that we're going to try to illuminate in this narrative. And the first one is this idea of the island of Scanza, where the Goths' oral tradition considers uh, their home. The island of Gotland in the Baltic Sea may have been related to the origins of the Goths. So Gotland, which is a present-day island, may be this island of Scanza. Being a Germanic people, being Germanic peoples, they probably originated in modern-day Scandinavia, and certain oral traditions of the Goths cite this as their ancestral home but obviously the veracity of oral traditions are problematic. There is some archaeological evidence citing a depopulation at various points in ancient Sweden, which could coincide with the migration period of Germanic peoples to Europe proper. And the Goths are typically described as tall, blue-eyed, blonde-haired people, which seem to fit some stereotypes for Swedes today, such as Joel Kinnaman and the famous Dolph Lundgren. But much of what we think we know about the Goths during this early period comes from Roman writers such as Pliny the Elder, Tacitus, and the 6th century Jordanus, who was, again, Goth himself. So, for example, in 300 BCE, Pythias supposedly mentioned the Cutones had lived in the eastern Prussian region on the banks of the Baltic, right across from Gotland, modern-day Gotland, where these Gutones mined and traded amber that is still prevalent there today. Which this is the first mention of the peoples that we could go on to call the Goths. Romans, Pliny, and Tacitus mention them in their writings over the course of the next 400 years. But we do not have a ton of information on the Goths during these, these days. We do not have any language or cultural artifacts that help during this time period. Eventually, we will get the Gothic Bible and several other early writings, but that is not going to occur until the 4th century. During their time in modern-day Poland, around 100 AD to perhaps 200 AD, they appear to be a part of the Wielbeck culture. And the Wielbeck culture consisted of Goths, Jepids, Rugians, and possibly the Veneti, who did not make up an individually distinct cultural yet. 
The Vilbeck culture artifacts were first discovered around the modern-day city of Kelmno in Poland, and it appears they existed there in totality from 100 to 400 A.D. So this origination story remains debated among academics to this day. So the Goths' homeland is placed in Poland in a second origination story. So some historians, including Peter Heather, who happens to be one of the foremost experts on the Goths and barbarians in general, claim that modern-day Gdansk, Poland, is the real Gothskenza, or Skanza, that was mentioned by Jordanus. And there has been some archaeological evidence to back this claim in the existence of grave sites and commonalities of grave sites with Goths at a later time period. And according to the second origination story, around 160, the Goths and other Germanic peoples make their way down the Vistulia River to the Black Sea steppe regions of modern-day Ukraine, Moldova, Russia, Romania, and perhaps part of Kazakhstan. Now, the area on both the east and west of the Dniester River was already populated with non-Germans, such as the Sarmatians and the Alans. Not much is known as to why the Goths moved to the Black Sea region from modern-day Poland, but population increase, crop failure, and several other reasons having to do with economic opportunities could have forced them to migrate to the Pontic Steppe or enticed them to migrate to the Pontic Steppe. It is unlikely that they were driven out by a stronger Germanic group uh, who still lived in modern-day Poland because they did not have any other competing groups that survived in Poland that seemed to be as militarily strong as the Goths. So unlike the later story that we'll get into with the Huns pushing the Goths and other groups out of the Pontic Steppe, it does not appear that the Goths were pushed out by a strong, fo- a strong force into the Pontic Steppe. So there is evidence that, the sh- that shows the presence of the Vilbeck culture in the area of Poland for another 300 years. So that means that the Goths left, and perhaps in small groups over the course of several hundred years, as well as other groups of Germanic-speaking pe- people, but they still did remain in Poland. So a About 200 CE, according to the story, we may have a division between the Visigoths, or the Western Goths, and the Ostrogoths, named the Eastern Goths, as divided by the Dniester River. The kings of the Visigoths during this early period seemed to have been chosen from the Balti or the Bolts family, and the Amal, or the Mali family, seems to have ruled the Ostrogoths on the eastern side of the Dniester River, which... In a strange circumstance, it comes up in history many times, this determination will remain valid through our story. The Visigoths will settle in the west in Spain, and the Ostrogoths will be in the, in the east in Italy later on in our series. So some historians think that this east-west split could have been in as late as the 4th century, not the beginning of the 3rd century. Regardless, we do get a split, and that split will be important to our story later on. But for now we will still just call them the Goths. So Jordanus tells of a little bit of a ghost story that goes along with this migration from Poland to Ukraine as a King Philomer, the son of Guntharic, led the Goths across a great river 
to a place called Ovium or Ockham. And as they crossed a great bridge, it collapsed and stranded some of the Goths in a magic place surrounded by swamps and marshes that no one can seem to find again. But supposedly, people that travel close to this magic swamp can still hear the Goth spirits. And Jordanus also tells a story about how the Goths cast all the women that practiced magic arts out and into the desert. And these women then mated with demons and gave birth to the Huns. So, which clearly isn't true. Either one of these little side anecdotes that Jordanus tells uh, is obviously making things up as the black arts don't actually exist and magic places where people can be heard for generations after they should have died clearly don't exist. So Jordanus is probably unreliable with some of his stories. There is yet a third origination story that historians will go with. And this theory points to the Santana de Miris Cernyakov culture that originated in the Ukraine. Now, um, I'm taking a wild guess at those cultures and those pronunciations, and I'll do this again and again. Uh, so if you know better, let me know, and uh, I will be sure to fix that and make the proper pronunciations. But this third story tells of a culture that develops in the Ukraine, basically on the fringes of the Roman Empire, and is an agglomeration of many different groups of people, Goth or East Germanic people, and non-German people that come up into a common culture called the Goths. Let's review the different stories we looked at today. There were three. First was Skanza, an island in the Baltic Sea, which could maybe be modern-day Gotland. Then they moved to Poland, and then to the Black Sea region. The second story puts the Goths in Poland originally, and then taking some magic bridge ride to the Black Sea, but somehow leaving some of the people on the other side of that magic bridge, and then into the Black Sea. And then the last version places the homeland in the Black Sea originally as part of the Santana de Muris Cernyakov culture in modern-day Ukraine. But, again, no one really knows exactly, but there are some good guesses, and... There are some fun stories involved in this journey of the Goths, but the long and short of it is that the Goths were definitely Germanic, but there's no kind of consensus of where the heck these people actually started from or what they were actually like in many of these time periods. So they should have written things down if they really wanted us to know about them and remember them, or at least more so than the couple of artifacts that we do have. But that is it for this week. Uh, next week, we will be looking at life on the Pontic Steppe and early interactions of the Goths in the Roman Empire during the 3rd century CE, which will set up the crisis of the 3rd century that features prominently in Roman history and Gothic history. Uh, just to let you know, the materials that were used for the information in this week's show include uh, the books The Story of the Goths by Henry Bradley, The Goths by Peter Heather, Getica by Jordanus, Germania by Pliny the Elder, Rome's Gothic Wars from the 3rd century to Alaric by Michael Kulikowski. And this is our first episode. So please leave a review if you like the show. Uh, the good sh reviews help other people find the show. 
Uh, and this is definitely a work in process. So if you have some suggestions, some support, some critiques to throw at me, let me know on Twitter at History of the Barbarians or send an email to uh, History of the Barbarians at Gmail. And we will see you next week. Thanks.